0: Northeastern University School of Law recently emailed 205 admissions applicants to give them the good news that they had been accepted. Imagine young students finishing up like their bachelor's degrees, checking their email and, and realizing, hey, I got into Northeastern School of Law. That is no small feat. The school is regularly ranked in the top 80, 90 law schools across the country, got an acceptance rate of only about 35 to 40 percent, so imagine yourself receiving that email and and probably forwarding it on to family, friends, so they can see it, they can rejoice with you, firing off quick texts to those who have been waiting with you for news as to whether or not you got in. Your future now seems to have a little more purpose, a little more shape, good news that is hard to derail. Or any bad news that would come that day would be hard to derail that good news. But there is bad news that came. Not long after that email was sent, the school realized what they had done, and you see, they had not made any admissions decisions yet. The school had sent out the email in error, so they hurriedly sent off another email notifying the students who had received the first email, hey, we're sorry, decisions have not been made yet, we apologize for the error. Certainty is a precious commodity, is it not? The rug can feel as if it is pulled out from under you, whether it's via emails like that or in a whole host of things in life. As Christians, we are not immune from struggling with doubt. I'm struggling with a sense of uncertainty as to whether or not particularly this Christian faith that we believe, this Christian faith that we profess, is genuinely true. We try to walk in obedience to our Lord, trusting Him, but in the back of our minds, perhaps sometimes we have a nagging feeling, maybe particularly when things aren't going well, when we're facing trials or adversity, we can have a nagging feeling like, I'm about to find this faith is not as certain as I thought it was. Well, the Gospel of Luke is for that kind of person. The Gospel of Luke has been given to us that we may have certainty about Jesus as we follow him. Let me say this again. This is a big idea of the sermon today. You may have certainty about Jesus as you follow him. invite you to follow along as I read just verses 1 through 4. Luke writes, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the Word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, Most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. There's two points that we're going to see in our sermon tonight, two outline things that are going to help us to understand the certainty that we have in Jesus Christ. The first is we're going to see how we can have clarity about the life of Jesus, clarity about the life of Jesus. And then, secondly, We'll come in on the back end, the back about quarter of the sermon, and we will see how that clarity about the life of Jesus gives us certainty concerning Jesus and our lives. Clarity leads to certainty. So first, clarity about the life of Jesus in verses 1 through 3. These verses at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke serve as an explanation or a prologue explaining why Luke is writing all that we have before us. In this prologue, he lays out things that are important for us to understand as we dive into this account of Jesus's life. And so the first way that we have clarity about the life of Jesus according to Luke's prologue is that we can have clarity because of eyewitness testimony that you see mentioned in verses 1 and 2. Luke writes that, Many had, had sought to compile narratives of the things that had been accomplished among us. And he said, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses. The stories and the accounts about Jesus and his work that are contained in the pages of Luke's gospel are not myth or fairy tale. They are carefully reported eyewitness accounts that Luke has investigated. In fact, if you see, skipping down to verse 3, to get a little more context for all that will unfold in this book, you see at the end of verse 3, Luke writes what he calls an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So Luke is our author. Theophilus is our first recipient of this gospel. Now, Theophilus was likely a wealthy man who had become a Christian and had commissioned or paid Luke to go investigate all of these things that were this noise that was going about about Jesus who had come. Is it true what I have heard? Is it true what I have believed? And so, Theophilus commissioned Luke. We don't know how Theophilus and Luke met. We do know that Luke, by trade, was a medical doctor. And at some point, he had also traveled on missionary journeys with the Apostle Paul. That's recorded uh, in the book of Acts, which actually is the second volume of a two-volume set, Luke and Acts, both written by Luke under the commission of Theophilus. So if Luke features the story of the coming of Jesus and the the life and and death of Jesus and all that Jesus accomplished, Acts features the story of the birth of the church and the spread of the gospel through the early stages of the church of Jesus. And so Luke has come come about. He's traded in his stethoscope and his lab coat, and he's traded them in for a pen and paper, and he followed along in Jesus's footsteps as an investigative journalist, wanting to see if there was truth to these claims that he had heard regarding Christianity. Now, as we think about this, we we would be honest to, to recognize that our trust in institutions today is quite low, is it not if I were to take a poll of us, how many of us trust the media? You would say, well, what media? Or, or you'd, you'd maybe want to caveat that a little bit. How many of us trust politicians? How many of us trust experts in healthcare, in law, in geopolitics? Even how many of us have been burned by and fail and struggle to trust the church? Institutions do not have much trust in our day and age. We are not a people who are prone to just give blind trust. And so as we enter into the study of Luke's gospel, we can know, okay, Luke, show me what you got. And Luke's going to say, I've got a lot for you. I've got a carefully investigated account based on eyewitness testimony of this Jesus. Jesus was a real man. He was born here on earth to the Virgin Mary. He lived a life in many ways similar to ours, in some ways different than ours. He taught. He worked miracles. Ultimately, He died. He was resurrected. And Luke brings all of this to us, not that we might have to speculate or imagine, but that we might know, that we might have certainty about Jesus. You know, if you are exploring or still trying to get a grasp on or get a handle for Christianity, the Gospel of Luke is a great place to begin. Perhaps you have had thoughts before, or even Christians have have sought to tell you about Jesus before, and you've said, "I, I, I just need more evidence. I need more proof. Well, Luke is for you. I encourage you over the course of this time in Luke's Gospel to carefully follow along, to give yourself to reading the Bible during the week, to processing through sermons with study guides and with other things that can aid and and supplement this, to talk with other Christians about what you're reading and what you're seeing so that you can explore Jesus fully. You know, it's possible that for you, Christianity and the Bible has always seemed rather difficult to grasp. Maybe you've opened up the Bible and just kind of done the thing where you close your eyes and turn to whatever page you open and start reading it and you, you immediately find names that you cannot pronounce and circumstances that seem backwards and, and uh, of years of old and, and you, you'd, you'd have a better shot reading an organic chemistry textbook. Or perhaps you felt like the Bible, okay, I, I kind of feel like I get the idea of it, but I struggle to see its relevance for my day. What's the difference between reading the Bible and reading a newspaper from 1887? Does it have importance for me? Can it speak to my life? Can it speak to my circumstances? Or is it just a relic of historic past? Well, the Gospel of Luke helps us to explore that. But if I can be honest with you, as we get into this study as we walk through this book over the course of the next year and a half to two years, here's what you are going to find as you are introduced to Jesus. You are going to find that you learn, that you see that your mind is is opened, your, your, your horizons are broadened to all that Jesus was and is and has done and offers to you. But also, you are going to see, you are going to find, That Jesus knows you more than you imagined. And you are going to find a soft yet clear invitation from Jesus. Come, follow me. And that is what the invitation of the Gospel of Luke is. So it is based, first, we can have clarity about the life of Jesus because it is based on eyewitnesses. Secondly, we can have clarity about Jesus because of evidence from ministers of the Word. You see that right after in verse 2, beginning were eyewitnesses and then ministers of the Word have delivered them to us. These ministers of the Word, they're they're preachers, they're messengers who serve to announce or proclaim what Jesus had accomplished. The way to think along these lines is they, they they were servants, ambassadors, they were heralding a message commissioned by a king. They did not choose the message, they were commissioned with the message. Just like the ambassador to Bulgaria does not choose the message that he proclaims on behalf of uh, uh, the United States to the Bulgarian government and people, he is commissioned with a message by the president. So generally in our day, people don't doubt whether or not Jesus was a real person. But there is great confusion and there is great conflict that exists in regards to what Jesus was about, what Jesus is about. Perhaps that's where some of us find ourselves, where we we consider ourselves pretty familiar with Jesus, but there's just a lot of noise about Jesus. So, if you think about it, is He a political revolutionary? Is he th- 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 that, that taught a message of radical love and, and pacifism and uh, 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 overthrowing power structures and, 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 and addressing injustice as we understand it and see it in the world? Or is he uh, something that, that, that we might think of more of like cultural stereotypes or tropes? If you're familiar with the movie Talladega Nights, I don't think I've ever seen the whole movie, so I'm not endorsing it. I don't know much about it but it's a Will Ferrell movie about a NASCAR driver, and he and his family are sitting at, t- at dinner table one night, and they start praying over the mill, and, it's, and I can make fun of it because I'm a Southerner by background too, so there, there, there's a lot of Southern stereotypes in it, and he starts praying, dear six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus, and, and everybody's like, well, what are you doing? He's like, well, that's the Jesus that I like to picture, It's funny, but how many of us probably have Jesuses that we like to picture in our minds? Well, what the Gospel of Luke does is it helps us to drown out or or to, to push away the noise about Jesus, all the different voices, all the different things that would say, oh, well, Jesus must be this or Jesus must be this. And it helps us to get a true and accurate picture of the real Jesus who commands us to come and follow him. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we can treat Jesus and we can treat our faith less like what we see in Scripture and more like what we see when we order lunch at Chipotle. I like Chipotle. I like going there and ordering a burrito, and what you do is you, if you're familiar with it, you pick your rice and how much rice you want. You pick your protein, your meat. You pick your salsas. You pick your, your uh, uh, lettuce or cheese. You, 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 you pick and choose everything and how much of it you want on your meal, and then you go on your way, and you enjoy it. If we are not careful, we can find that we have so much news and, and noise about Jesus in the background that we just pick and choose the Jesus that we want to follow how much of certain aspects of Him do I want? How much of His, his economic views or how much of His uh, 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 views on, on, on conflict and war or how much of Jesus' views on uh, 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 politics or whatever it might be? How much of what Jesus says about miracles? And if I just believe hard enough, He'll give me this miracle. And what we find is that if we're not careful... The Jesus that we profess to love is actually the Jesus that we have concocted in our minds and not the Jesus that has been revealed in his word. And so Luke helps to bring us back to what these ministers of the word have delivered, and that is the true, unvarnished Jesus who walked this earth and who invites and calls you and I to follow him. Not the him of our minds, but the him of truth that is revealed in his word. And so it's good. If you're in a season where you are spiritually dry, you say, Stephen, I'm a Christian, but I just kind of feel stuck. I felt like the wheels aren't turning. The car's not going down the track very fast. The Gospel of Luke is good for you. Whenever you're spiritually dry, you don't need to see less of Jesus. You need to see more of Jesus. Whenever you're malnourished, you don't need more Chipotle, you need less Chipotle. Chipotle's good, but it's not good every meal. We need the honest and true Jesus as revealed in Scripture. So perhaps if that is you where you'd say, Yeah, I, I, I just enter this time, I enter this study, you know, I, I, I just feel stuck spiritually. I know I'm a Christian, my hope is in Jesus. Maybe a good prayer for you at the outset of this series would be Lord, open my eyes yet again. Kindle the fires of my heart yet again to see and to savor my Lord once more. So we can have clarity about the life of Jesus because it's given to us in eyewitnesses, because it's given to us by ministers of the word, and because of the orderly account that Luke has compiled. As we travel through this gospel, you'll find Luke to be a skilled, a gifted writer. You'll find he shows a great attention to detail. You'll find that he carefully develops themes and emphases that ultimately reveal that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah of the Old Testament, and he has come to save the world. In fact, that's a good overall theme for the book. Jesus is the Christ, the one the Old Testament has anticipated, and he has come to save the world. Luke's gospel is not just random events and stories all thrown together. As if Luke was on a writing deadline and pulling an all-nighter to get the paper done, so he had a word count that he had to reach and just started throwing all sorts of anecdotes in there and repeating things. No, there is intentionality, there is purpose, there is detail behind all that Luke has recorded in this gospel. In fact, the book can be broken into three sections of this orderly account. Jesus seeking, Jesus teaching, Jesus saving first nine chapters of the Gospel of Luke feature Jesus seeking, Jesus coming to earth, Jesus entering into our world, Jesus seeking those who would follow him. The next part of the book is Jesus teaching, Jesus teaching those who would follow him what it means to follow him. You find that as he illuminates how he interprets, how he fulfills all that the Old Testament has anticipated and he speaks and teaches in parables to those who would follow him that they may understand what it means to follow him. So Jesus seeks those who would follow him. Jesus teaches those who would follow him. And at the conclusion of the book, as he goes towards his cross and then he is resurrected, we find Jesus saving those who would follow him. Three stages of the book, Jesus seeking, Jesus teaching, Jesus saving. So, Luke has compiled this orderly account. He thought he was compiling it for most excellent Theophilus, but in the kindness of God, he has compiled it for you and I as well. You know, it's possible that you have a non Christian family member, or friend, or neighbor, or co worker that maybe you've talked to about your faith from time to time. Um, but also you, you want them to, 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 to know more. You want them to know the hope of Jesus that you know. And sometimes you stumble. I, I don't know how to engage in that conversation. I don't know, I don't know where to take it. I don't know what, what road to take. I'm, I'm, I get awkward. I trip over my words whenever I start trying to talk about my faith with other people. Inviting that non-Christian whom you know and whom you love to enter into a study of the Gospel of Luke with you is a great place to start you can invite them to church with you. If they're not quite ready for church, you can invite them to listen to our sermons week by week that are posted on our website. And maybe a good pattern for you, if it's say it's someone in your home, to say, okay, we're going to listen to the sermon 30, 40 minutes each week, and we're going to find one night a week to sit down at the dinner table. And over dinner, we're going to talk about what we're seeing, about what, what, what's being revealed about Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. Or maybe it's not somebody that lives in your home. Maybe it's a friend or, or a co or somebody. And you say, okay, maybe we can try to have lunch every couple of weeks or sit down for coffee or go for a walk or have a phone call. and Just say, I would like for you to get to know this Jesus whom I follow and who has changed my life. I've been thinking about that myself as I've been preparing. Who can I invite to join me in this study? You no, know, dear church family, if we're honest, we have that responsibility to try to introduce others to Jesus. The fact is, given cultural de- demographics and numbers of, of those who are followers of Jesus, who believe in the gospel, who profess to follow Him, the truth is that for many of us, we are the only born-again Christian that those around us know. May God give all of us the grace, the words to invite others to explore this Christianity with us. If you, if you, if you are trying to do that, and, and you, you need help, or you need prayer, or you need resources on, okay, how do I, how do I start reading the Bible with this other person? And well, I, I, They're going to ask me all sorts of questions about Jesus and science, and it's going to go over my mind. What about the dinosaurs? Where are they? And you just start going all the places where you think this is going to go really bad, and I'm going to look like, an, like a fool. Let me know ahead of time. And I'll talk with you. I'll pray with you. I'll I'll try to help give you some resources to help just read through the Bible with those whom you have in your life. Let's all be resolved to think, who can I invite to enter into this study with us? So we have clarity about the life of Jesus. We have clarity about the life of Jesus in order... Through, or excuse me, through eyewitnesses, through ministers of the Word, and through Luke giving us an orderly account. And this leads us to be able to have certainty about Jesus in your life. So Luke writes this introduction in verses 1-3, through three, and then he gives his purpose statement. He says, why have I done this for you, Theophilus? In the beginning of verse 4, you see that very first word in verse 4? That you may have Certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. Doesn't certainty sound good to you? In life, there are very few things that any of us are certain about. We don't know what the weather holds. We think we do, until we don't. We don't know what the economy holds. Is recession around the corner? Is economic crisis lurking? We don't know what the future holds as relates to, like, Russia and Ukraine. Is China going to invade Taiwan sometime in the next three months, six months, year, two years, three years? We don't know. Further down, what questions or concerns do you have that bother you about work or school for your children, for your parents, for your siblings, The Bible doesn't answer all of these questions, but what the Bible does offer and invites us to is to trust in and have certainty in the one who holds all things together. So Luke is not going to tell you how best to manage your investments over the next 18 months. Luke is going to show you the one who holds all things together and whom you can trust. Let me tell you what's been blessedly agonizing for me. Over the last couple of weeks. Yes, you heard that right. Blessedly agonizing. Okay? Water's just blessed. Blessedly agonizing. As I've been doing the night duty, rocking Caroline, you know, a lot of you have asked how she's doing, and she told, wanted me to tell you all. She's glad to be here today, by the way. Um, but as, 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 as as you've asked how she's doing, I, I've told you, well, you know, she's sleeping pretty great during the day. Not so great at night. We need that to get flipped. But when I've been rocking her, let's say at 3 a.m., I'm the kind of person that, that when I wake up, I'm, 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 I'm awake for a while. I can't wake up and go do something and then get back in bed and fall asleep. I, I'm kind of awake. And so I'll be sitting there rocking Caroline, feeding her, just rocking her, whatever, and my mind will immediately, uh, like, like it's rush hour in the morning, I'll have all sorts of thoughts just start to clog the interstate that is driving into the back of my mind. To-do lists, things that await me that day, that day to come, emails to write, uh, sermons to write, phone calls I need to make, administrative tasks that need to be accomplished, everything, the horns start honking and filling up my mind. But you know something about 3 a.m.? 3 a.m., you can't do anything at 3 a.m. How many of you, if I owe you a phone call, you want me to call you at 3? Not so much. I can't get out, open up my laptop, and start type, type, typing away on a sermon while my daughter is trying, I'm putting, trying to put her to sleep there. I, th- I don't think bright lights are really good for that. What I find is I can only sit there and hold her and pray. And what I have found as I've been processing through and preparing for this study in Luke, one of the great things that has been a comfort to my soul, and I believe will be to yours, when you are up at 3 a.m. or 3 p.m. or whenever you are, with the burdens that weigh you down, is to pray and, and, and cry out to God, and asking Him to remind you of the certainty that you have of Jesus your Lord. Not the certainty for all the answers for everything that is lying before you but for the certainty of the one who holds it all in his hand, that you may trust him no matter what comes around the corner. It's blessedly agonizing to be aware of how small you are, how little you can do, and yet how much you can trust your God. That is when the agony turns to blessing. So there is certainty in Jesus for the senior adult who finds herself taking stock of her life. Looking back at old memories, prayerfully hoping to finish her race well, Jesus promises to carry you to the step, to every step of the way. You may be certain of his unwavering faithfulness to you, and you may be reminded of this again and again and again, and rest in the gospel of Jesus revealed in Luke. There's certainty in Jesus for the middle-aged man who quietly wonders, is there more to life than the rat race as I understand it? Business progresses, the kids are growing up, and yet your heart, you find it itches for something more, something that so far you have not been able to scratch. Jesus offers you the fullness of His presence. He offers you communion with Him that opens your hearts to vistas previously unimagined and unexplored. He invites you to an eternity probing the depths of His glory in fascinated wonder. There is certainty in Jesus for the young woman who sees a world in need of repair injustice and hurt runs rampant you're trying to get your bearings you're running full speed but Jesus offers you the grace of coming to walk alongside him and in fact be carried by him you feel as if life is a marathon and the full speed sprint that you have started out on you don't know how you are going to continue at that pace Jesus offers to come to you in his grace to pick you up and carry you out of the mire and the bog that you are in that your, that your fears and your burdens imprison you, and he offers you to give you himself. There's certainty for the young person trying to make sense of a big world. You're trying to figure it, to fit in, figure out friends, figure out school, figure out relationships, parents. Jesus offers you a listening, art, a listening ear and a gracious heart. He offers you Himself free and unmeasured. He sees your warts. He sees your fears. He sees your worries. He sees your anxieties. He sees all of these. And what does He give you when He sees all of these and He is aware of all that torments your mind? He gives you His compassionate heart. That is what Luke was writing that we may have certainty about. Luke gives certainty. Luke writes that there might be grace. For the poor, for the downtrodden, and 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 theme of grace and mercy and relief for the poor is a theme throughout the Gospel of Luke. And when you think of the poor, you can't think of those who are financially uh, underprivileged as we would think of it today. But the poor is a more overarching term, uh, as as Luke used it. The poor is not just the financially poor, but it's the spiritually poor. It's the emotionally poor. It is the overburdened and undercomforted, and it is they who need certainty. In Jesus who has come to lift their burdens and to comfort their hearts. You see, here's why we need the certainty of the gospel of Jesus. We need certainty because so often in life we are, we are prone to do one of two things. We are either to be our own greatest critics, constantly, constantly undoing ourselves, constantly uh, uh, telling ourselves, uh, 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 how how uh, horrible we are, and how we are unworthy of God's grace. Or on the other side, we're prone to make ourselves uh, uh, more in line with what I was saying earlier, where Jesus uh, uh, is the one that we have crafted in our own minds, and and where the Jesus that we've crafted in our minds, he does not convict us of our sin, he does not correct us of ways in which our lives need change, our lives need adjustment, our lives need repentance. Know what the gospel of Luke offers us is a Jesus who meets those who, uh, who need lifting up and who need to be patted on the back and told they are loved, but also offers correction for us when we need to be corrected and when we need to have ourselves realigned and, and need to be brought to repentance so that we may know how greatly we are loved and how much in God's love for us, He changes us, He transforms us, He adjusts us and, and makes us into the person that He would have us to be. The Gospel of Luke totally reorients our understanding of what it means to follow Jesus because it gives us certainty about the real Jesus, not the Jesus that we maybe have concocted in our minds. And what the Gospel of Luke holds fast for us is that as it tells us that you can have certainty about Jesus as you follow Him, the Gospel of Luke and all of God's Word revealing Jesus from the front cover to the back cover, all of it is given to us. Hear this that we may have unimmovable certainty in our immovable Lord, and that He may and will and promises to sustain us until that certainty is no longer needed. And why will it no longer needed, be needed? Because He will sustain us until we are literally standing before His face. The Gospel of Luke is for one who yearns for certainty. one who needs to be held closely by her Lord until she sees him face to face. And as we make our way through this book, brothers and sisters know that as we go verse by verse, story by story, chapter by chapter, we are never going to reach a page where it says, oops, sorry, promised too much, need to take that back we are going to find a Savior who becomes more and more and more and more beautiful every step of the way and who we find has more and more and more and more of a grasp on our lives and on our hearts every step of the way. In Him, it is all true. And you can be certain. You can be certain about Jesus as you follow Him. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we pray that you would give us certainty in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give us certainty not of our own resolve to lift ourselves up by our bootstraps, but certainty in your word presenting Jesus Christ, our Lord, our King, crucified in our place, resurrected that we may live to him. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen up, build up the downtrodden, the spiritually dry, those who need to see their Savior anew. And Lord, I pray that you would call to faith those who need to be brought to new life in Christ Jesus, who shows himself to them through this word. And We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.